0: Let us pray loving god we pray that you will give us ears to listen minds to understand and hearts to love we pray this in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen please be seated so i think it's safe to say fall is here the cooler weather and the breezy weather this weekend has been lovely it was a little hard to get out of bed uh, to come do the 745 service and it was so chilly this morning and the heat was not yet on in my house but, um, but it 's nice to get to wear different clothes and and be happy uh, when the house starts to warm up with the heat and so um, another way we 're experiencing fall is the leaves are falling from the trees and um, we had a moment of that on our recent holy hike at Tannehill State Park, where it was the beginning of the hike, and we were crossing this bridge um, across the creek. And there was just this moment where all of these leaves started to kind of flutter down, and we all kind of stopped and had that moment um, together, sort of recognizing um, the beauty in that. Um, and so Friday, which is my day off. But if you're going to be preaching on Sunday, you're probably looking at the scriptures for Sunday as part of your day off in a leisurely way. Um, and I like to do that sitting out on my back deck. And we have these two pecan trees that are kind of in the middle of the backyard and um, they are starting to turn they're green. Now they're turning yellow. They fall on my deck or my yard. They get all kind of crunchy and brown. And I had this moment as I was out there kind of having my morning prayer time and reflecting on the scriptures for today where, you know, it was really breezy on Friday and so um, this breeze kind of was blowing through the pecan trees and on, in the sunshine and just this moment of the pecan leaves which as you know are crescent shaped and so when they fall down they don't just sort of fall straight down, they twirl as they go down. It's really beautiful and um, I had this, this moment of clarity Because I feel like God speaks to me through kind of those things that um, as all of these pecan leaves were kind of twirling down and the breeze was kind of catching them, I mean, they looked kind of like butterflies almost at a distance. So it was really beautiful. And um, I hope that you're able to catch some glimpses of fall in that way. Um, But it actually had this moment of clarity where it put me in mind of All Saints Day, which is coming up, and we'll observe it on November 1st, and then we'll observe it again on Sunday. November seventh, and I had this moment where, like each leaf falling down, to me in that moment, kind of represented a loss or like a person that I was remembering who is no longer with us, or even a pet, or a loss of different things, Um, but people in particular, and kind of attaching a name or a memory as each leaf fell down and. It kind of made me think about how as the leaves fall from the trees, on the one hand, they're no longer a life, they're part, they're no longer living, they're no longer a part of the life of the tree. They don't fall until, you know, they are now starting to kind of, you know, they're falling as they're dead. Um, but though they're not part of the life of the tree anymore, they are still, I think, a part of the life of the world because then we have that moment where we're observing them as they fall, and that moment kind of is revelatory as it was um, to me on Friday. Um, So they're alive, but in a new way, kind of like the memories of those people, you know, that we'll remember on All Saints Day. Um, They're not alive in one way, but they're still alive in our minds and in our hearts. Um, So those leaves are still alive to us as we notice and revel kind of in the beauty of how they twirl down in the wind and And then they fall to the ground um, where they actually become as you know over time they become part of the ground and they then go on the more leaves that kind of degrade and uh, decompose in your yard they become part of the soil and they nourish new life and so that put me all of that in the mind of you see sort of a theme of suffering uh, and loss and christ's experience of that how it was predicted in the scripture that we read from Isaiah today, which I couldn't preach on because I already preached on it during like on Lent, I think on Good Friday. So you can go back and and watch that sermon again. But, um, But also in Hebrews and in Mark, this idea of Christ had to go through suffering by becoming, he was fully divine, but also fully human. So when he came and experienced life, he also, he experienced death. He experienced the death of a loved one like Lazarus. Uh, And he knew that he was moving toward his own suffering and death. And actually, um, on Friday, I wrote a daily reflection. Friday was the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila. Um, And I won't go into that one again, but you can read it. It's the one from Friday. Uh, And we don't necessarily do a lot with saints' days uh, in our corner of the Episcopal Church, but I think... um, Not so much venerating the lives of the saints, but like learning from their stories. And Saint Teresa became a saint because she had this really meaningful experience of um, illness and suffering. She had decided to become a Carmelite nun when she was 20 years old. Her mother had died when she was 15, which I think kind of set her on a trajectory toward that. And then she had this really um, severe illness that put her in a coma for a while, and she ended up being paralyzed for three years uh, there in her early 20s, in the early days of uh, her time as a nun. And so during that time, her devotion to a life of prayer um, really deepened and strengthened because of that time of suffering, because of the loss of her mobility, um, it made her grow closer to God. And then as she got better, she noticed that she kind of fell away from that for a while. But eventually, as her faith matured, she returned to that deep life of prayer that she had learned during her time of illness and suffering. And so I had written about that on Friday and and um, tied it to um, a book that we're going to be reading next month in my book group, um, No Cure for Being Human, which is written by someone who's been in treatment for cancer for the last five years, you know, in her thirties. And how that person, um, that author has learned through her suffering to understand herself and God and her faith in a different way. Um, but suffering and losses, it can be hard to get past sometimes. And I think maybe sometimes we are not necessarily supposed to fully get past them. Uh, And as I was thinking on St. Teresa of Avila's suffering and how that deepened her faith in Christ and how his suffering deepened his experience of what it was like to be part of humanity for a time, I thought also on the leaves that fall and go on to nourish life, that each loss, each grief, each moment of suffering, they in a way make us who we are and they allow us to nourish other people with the empathy that we gain through those experiences. Uh, It put me in mind of sort of what was sort of a turning point in my own faith, maybe kind of parallel with Teresa of Avila in some way, uh, as far as a hard time that caused me to kind of have to re-examine my faith. And so for me, I think back to something, um, that I don't talk about much, but um, in 2007, um, trying to have a second child and suffered a miscarriage. And and a lot of people try to avoid talking about that because you don't really know quite what to say. Um, It's a special kind of loss because it's a loss that if you're the woman in that equation, like it's a loss that's occurring inside of yourself. And because of that, it's a kind of loss that kind of makes you tend to blame yourself, even if rationally you know that, that you should not. And so, I was 33 years old at the time, and I think I'd been really kind of protected from loss and grief and suffering overall, and my life had been pretty easy. And so, even though I had had faith in God since I was a little child with my little zippered Bible and going to Sunday school and all of those things that we do to nurture our faith as children, I'd never really experienced a deep sense of loss. And to have a sense of grief for this kind of microscopic person who I didn't really have a chance to meet. So I can't even imagine how deep is the loss um, for a parent of a child that you've already begun to raise or maybe you have raised to adulthood that you've bonded with and you've gotten to know as a person. Like, What I take away from all that is that there's really no good reason for some things. Um, everything doesn't happen for a reason. Like there's some things you cannot just explain away. Like all that we can know about them is that they are hard and sad. Um, There's no good reason why a parent should live to see the loss of a child, and yet this is a grief that many people know and maybe some of you know, Um, whether it's as a pregnancy loss or the loss of a child already born or already grown. And so as I reflected on all of this, I wondered why was it, I mean, besides all of those reasons that the loss hit me so hard and was, had such a long-term impact on myself, and I think it came down to this, is that it felt to me that God did not answer my prayer. <laughs> that no amount of fervent praying actually stopped this thing from happening once it was underway. And so some might respond, and some probably did at the time, with the platitude that God answered my prayers, but just not in the way that I was hoping for. Um, That doesn't really make me feel any better about it. Probably wouldn't make you feel any better about it either, whether it's that kind of a loss or some other kind of grief or suffering. Um, So, went on to have a second child who's 13 years old and runs around this church still today. And so, you know, there's a hopeful, like good things happened after that. Um, But I found that I was still carrying around that deep sense of grief and loss for like three or four years later, still like randomly crying about that and really struggling to understand why I couldn't just get past it. Um, And it was about that time So that happened in 2007, and then we made our way to the Episcopal Church in 2010 and 2011. And I still found myself—I was at this little mission-sized parish, Church of the Holy Presence, and they had tissue boxes throughout the church. And the vicar's wife told me it was because, like, when the Holy Spirit kind of moves, that you might be needing the tissues. (laughs) It was that kind of a Episcopal church, and so. I was glad to be in a church at that time that had tissues in the pews for no apparent reason and I made use of them and um, found myself crying on the way home from church sometimes. I was sad and I was angry and I was frustrated because I really felt like I was on the cusp of losing my faith over this, like that I just couldn't figure out why God let some some bad things happen, that bad thing, other things going on in life and in the world. And so it was really a decision point that I had never really faced before. Could I go on believing in God in the face of continued deep grief and suffering? Could I go on believing in God even when things didn't turn out as I had prayed for and hoped for? And so I was really on the verge of just giving up, like we had been trying and trying again to find a church that where things made sense. And it just felt like a real battle for the soul kind of situation for me. And as I was stepping into the Episcopal Church. And so in the bigger picture, the long-term picture, the timing seems significant. In 2011, as we were coming into this tiny little Episcopal Church as our way of moving from being Presbyterian into being Episcopal, I had the chance to be confirmed that year and I actually turned it down, partly because confirmation wasn't a part of my tradition before, and I didn't really see the point in it um, at that time. But I think it also had to do as I still was struggling with the burden of these doubts. Um, it was, I wasn't really ready to make a commitment when I was still struggling with all these really big kind of life and death questions about where is God in our suffering. But by the next year, In 2012, I I somehow, by God's grace, was at a place where I felt ready to say I am ready to confirm my faith, I am not willing to walk away from it, but I did go through that time of wondering, and I think I had finally processed my grief enough to be ready to confirm what I had always believed. And maybe actually more so after having emerged from kind of working through that dark night of the soul or that kind of period of doubt. And so maybe you've had those times when you've been on the cusp of kind of walking away from church or you have walked away from church or your life of faith in some way for a period of time. Um, And I just want to say I understand that. And as is in the scriptures from Hebrews for today, we are meant to understand that every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf, able to deal gently with others, since he himself is subject or beset to weakness. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. So because Jesus became like us, he also suffered like us and he grieved like us, with loud cries and tears like us. So we believe in a God who knows and has gone through and can understand our sufferings because he has been willing to carry them and go through them himself. Jesus was called, as we say in one of our Eucharistic prayers, to live and die as one of us. He was called to the most radical form of empathy. And so if we are to be like Jesus, we too are called to live lives of empathy, of mutual understanding, of trying somehow to draw from that wellspring of our own losses and suffering so that we can more deeply understand and support one another. If there's any good that can come out of going through hard times, Like I think that is the good, that is the meaning that we can take away from it, is that it prepares us, it fills a very deep well that we can then allow to kind of bubble up and give life to other people. So this way of following Jesus is not easy. As Jesus reminded his disciples in the passage we hear in Mark for today, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So he's trying to say, like, this isn't about, like, getting your place of honor next to me. Like, if you're saying you want to follow me, like, life may be hard. Being a leader in the church means that your life will be hard. Being a Christian or a follower of Christ is not an insurance policy against loss or suffering and grief. And there are some churches where you will hear that teaching, but in this church, we will be honest with you that following Christ is not easy, but it is still hopeful and joyful. We'll continue to cry and shed tears, and there's just really no way around that, but we can do so with the reassurance that we have been saved and loved by a God who took on human form and knows what it is like and has placed us in a church full of other people who have also gone through things and that they will surround us with love and compassion and empathy when we find ourselves in our most challenging times. So to go back To that image that I offered you at the beginning of the sermon of the leaves kind of caught on the breeze on a fall day. Each leaf that falls in a way is a little death, but also each leaf that falls is a glimpse into something bigger, the beauty that comes when we experience the cycle of life and seasons. And so I'd like to close actually with a a prayer that is not normally meant for Sundays. It's the Collect for Fridays, which we hear in the service of morning prayer that some of you um, pray with us during the week. And when I first heard the Collect for Fridays, which was probably in seminary when I first kind of became most aware of it, it kind of puzzled me. But I think that you'll see how it connects with the readings for today and the reflection